said this before, but I think I might be autistic. Really? Yeah. I think I might be. You don't say. I've been examining my hyperfixations. Do you remember, like, a couple months ago, I did nothing but talk about pinball, and now I never talk about pinball? I do recall that. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, you moved in that time, and all of the pinball that you had to look at is in a, you know, in storage somewhere. That is true. I stopped talking about pinball before then, though. However, a couple months from now, I may talk about pinball, and all I'll be able to talk about is pinball. Yeah. At the moment, all I can talk about are Insecticons. (laughs) That's my new thing at the moment, is Insecticons, the Decepticons that turn into insect, if the name wasn't enough of a clue. Yeah. I get it. As someone that cycles through a couple of obsessive interests and will have like, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about for several months. Okay, that's done. Let's hop to the other thing I'm going to talk about for several months. You know, it might be a little autistic. Might be a little autistic. Maybe. Yeah. Like, bless my husband. They said, like, you can put your stuff on the desk. That's okay while you're staying here. It's covered in Insecticons. <laughs> yeah. And tiny terrapins and beast boxes and boglins. And there's no room at the inn anymore. There's no room at the inn. I got my legacy kickback today, everyone. Let me tell you about my legacy kickback. It's, um... The grasshopper one from Insecticons. It turns into a grasshopper. It kicks real good. It turns into a grasshopper. I tell you what, right? I've got. I've had my fixations in and out of Transformers, right? Yeah. They've come a long way. Like previous fixations, I would just care about like the the original, like the eighties or reissues of them. Yeah. Like the originals, where like they've got barely any articulation. And it's obvious that it's a truck with legs. <laughs> but my God, they've come a long way. Like, because the original Transformers look nothing like the cartoon. Ironhide didn't even have a fucking head, right? Yeah. And this kickback, right? The Grasshopper one from Insecticons looks pretty much exactly like it does in the cartoon now. And still turns into a Grasshopper. And he's fully articulated. It's fucking amazing. They weren't pulling their weight in the 80s. They're getting pretty good at fucking toy tech these days. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. It's it's one of the best... It's the best thing I've ever bought until my next fixation comes along and I just sort of leave this in a cupboard. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I'm at. Oh, oh, I do have news as well. Mm-hmm. In the time since our last recording... A huge announcement was made yeah. regarding the endeavours of Commander Stephanie Sterling, my um, bemasked alter ego. This is a huge match that has been announced for October 1st in Manchester, uh, the debuting Sovereign Pro Wrestling organisation. Oh, yes, I know. Uh, which this has been one. set up by rap battler Shotty Horror. Huge match announced. Um, yeah, we were talking about it. They were excited. I'm excited. I had two goals for the Commander's UK uh, wrestling career by the end of 2022. And that is face fellow non-binary competitor and uwu superstar who is just beloved even by non-wrestling fans, uh, Kid Bandit, who has a big crossover fan base with me. And me and them have been like gunning for each other and they... You know, they're coming to the UK at the end of the year. So that was my first goal. Face Kid Bandit. My second goal was to face Simon Miller from What Culture. He and I had an altercation on the Miller Report, his old show, seven years ago. 
where I blew him up at, with drones, if I recall correctly. Uh, and seven years, for seven years, we've talked about facing each other in a ring. And Sovereign Pro Wrestling has made it happen. It is an eight-person elimination match for the Sovereign Pro Crown Championship, uh, Crown Cup. Yes, there are other people in it. And very good competitors. Like H.T. Drake is uh, just an awesome guy who welcomed me to the UK when I first debuted at North. But Kid Banter is in it. And Simon Miller is in it. I just got my, my two top bucket lists crossed in one fucking match. This is huge. Yeah. There's a huge crossover of fan of fans with myself, with Kid Bandit, with Simon Miller. Uh, there's a lot of excitement for this. It's fucking Simon Miller from fucking What Culture, and it's fucking Kid Bandit. I've got chills already. If the crowd don't chant "Holy shit" when we finally face off, I'm gonna be pissed. Um, but yeah, I, I you know normally we do plugs at the end, but that is a um, it's just such a huge fucking announcement, and I'm so fucking stoked. I've got a couple of a couple of quick little announcements to make at the start as well because I, but the, both of these things are going to have happened by the time that next week's uh, podcast goes up uh, so first of all I've been teasing this for a while but I, I, there's a there's a bit of me doing a talk at a protest that has been sampled in a really cool song uh, the song is called Spread Your Wings by a band called Convoke and it's finally coming out on Wednesday the 29th, which is going to be Wednesday of next week. It's a, exactly a week after we record this uh, this episode. Keep an eye out for that. There's going to be there's going to be a video. You're going to be able to hear me doing some protesty shouts in a cool trans rock rock song. I'm I I'm really fucking proud of this track, and I can't wait for people to hear it. So go check that out in a week. But that's the that's happening the exact same day as another protesty thing. If you're in the UK and want to come shout at the Tory government for their not making the UK a safe place to be for minorities... I'd love that. Come and join our Not Safe To Be Me protest, uh, 29th of June, starting at noon in Parliament Square in London. Uh, we've got a wide range of speakers. Um, most of the protests that I've helped organise with Trans Activism UK in the past have been very specifically trans rights focused uh, protests, but... This one we're aiming to go a lot bigger and to be like, there are a lot of minority groups that, that are standing together and saying the UK is not safe for us, yeah. you know, currently as things stand. For example, we've got talks from groups like uh, the English Collective of Pro Prostitutes, for example. We've got like a bunch of different uh, speakers from a bunch of different groups representing a bunch of groups that have just been left to fend for themselves with this fucking government we currently have. Yeah. So that, that starts 29th of June, Wednesday, noon, Parliament Square in London. We would fucking love it if people showed up because we have really worked our socks off to put together a really good intersectional protest to just say, fuck you, fuck you fucking current British government. You are not making this a safe country for a huge range of different people. Huge amount of people. I mean, they yeah. literally, we just saw the first page of the bill that's being introduced in this country to repeal the Human Rights Act. Yeah. And let let ministers of parliament relitigate who and who doesn't deserve human rights. Like, that's scary. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about the, the threat that trans people face in this country, but it's LGBTQ+. I mean, the LGB Alliance 
a hate group masquerading as a uh, pro-gay charity that um, excludes trans people, yeah. but has spoke against gay marriage, gay inclusion in school, yeah. has um, worked with evangelical right-wing groups like the Heritage Foundation, and... Um, most recently try to correlate monkeypox and gay social spaces. Yeah. Uh, have charitable status in this UK given to them by the government. Like, this is fucking scary. Yeah. And, you know, th- th- this is, as, as Laura said, this extends to all minorities in this country. It's not safe. Exactly. And I certainly, hopefully, you know, the rail strike will have uh, wrapped up by then. Solidarity, by the way, fucked my week up, but <laughs> worth it. Um, you know, organisation, I... I Got to walk the walk on that, you know. I I am hugely pro union. Yeah, solidarity with with strike striking workers, even when it's inconvenient. Yeah, like I was hoping to be in London this week, but that's probably not happening. Uh, but hopefully next week I will be there so that I can be at the protest. I do. One of the things I said to Laura before I moved was like, you know, I'm looking forward to having my boots on the ground in this country. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm certainly hoping to attend, and I'm I regardless uh wish you the very best of luck with it because i know you've worked so hard on it i'm I'm so happy with like some of the groups we've got talking like we've got speakers from the bi survivors network um the muslim lgbt network we've got um speakers coming from uh spectra which is a really good charity we've got some fantastic speakers coming to talk on a range of stuff and i think this could be something really big and i really hope we we get some numbers out there to Get shouty. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I I do have news concerning Conrad. Yeah. Uh he was shirtless before we started recording. It's true. I was. I'm excited about it. You once streamed shirtless. I did. I my totally unproblematic breasts out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, Conrad was making a point about how unproblematic his breasts are as compared to the breasts of um people of who cast. aren't Conrad. I believe uh I believe Twitch's policy uh <laughs> as written is only Conrad's tits are okay. That's right. Yep. Conrad, I think you need to get your tits out on stream more often because we we can't. I think you need to do our quota of, of shirtless Twitch streams. I'm frequently in bathrobe only. Yeah. Oh god. I, mm. I, I do live in a bathrobe most Sunday mornings. Death noises. It's falling apart too. It's ratty. Oh, yeah. One of these days, it's just gonna, and I'm gonna be nude. Oh god, I want, I want to watch. I Violate wa- in TOS. Yeah. I want a time lapse of it just rotting away from <laughs> you, just sloughing <laughs> off like dead skin. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I think it's funny, like, because because of the way I came out on YouTube, we made we made that point, didn't we? Yeah. Like overnight, my tits became NSFW. Yep. Yeah. They've gotten bigger since then. Um, there's no getting away from the fact that they're like proper milkers now. But at one point, like they were fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I was real fucking flat-chested before I started hormones. There was a day, and I can't pinpoint when it was, but some point there was a day where the internet, you know, algorithms would have decided that's an illegal amount of titty. Yeah. I don't know what day it was, but somewhere in there they went, that's too much titty. If I recall correctly, on this podcast we uh, looked into it, and and YouTube's policy was um, the moment you identify as femme. Yeah, the moment you the moment you say, maybe not man, that's illegal titties. <laughs> and they say self-ID doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get it together, government. 
Who's who's played uh, video games? Oh, we've played. You've played so many demos. You played a lot. I played a lot. I've been playing a, a bunch of, of like a bunch of demos that came out of E3, a bunch of demos yeah. that came out of Steam Next Fest, and uh, Xbox has just done a Summer Games Fest collection of demos as well. But I'm going to start by talking about a demo I played that's nothing to do with any of those. Mm. I went and played an hour of Street Fighter Six over at Capcom's offices. Oh yes, yes, yeah. So like, I I like fighting games. I've never been good at them. The only one that I've ever felt competent in playing, like with any degree of seriousness, is Super Smash Brothers. Just because I struggle both with remembering combo strings and then getting my hands to do the quarter circle button mash input that I need to do to make attacks happen. Same. Like, I can't play... I've talked about this before, not just on here, but in many places. Like, I can't do fighting games. Yeah. I just can't. I don't have the dexterity or even, like, the the working memory to input stuff like that. Um, and what you've been telling me has made me very excited. That's the thing. Like, my, my issue is if I'm having to dedicate the brain space to doing combo strings... I am not focusing on the things I really should be focusing on, the like spacing between myself and other characters, what move I'm going to do when there's a good opening to get an attack in. But like, I get on well with Smash Brothers because you basically just have one button for your specials and you can put the analog stick in a direction to change which special it does. And Street Fighter VI has a new control scheme called Modern Mode, which basically turns it into a Smash Brothers style control scheme. Um, there's a lot of things that are simplified, but like the basics is rather than having six buttons dedicated to light punch, light kick, medium punch, medium kick, heavy punch, heavy kick, you just have three buttons now. You have light, medium, and heavy, and it picks uh, based on the character and context whether to do punch or kick when pressed, but it'll do that sort of weight of attack and that sort of timing window. All of your specials are now mapped to one button, triangle, and you modify which special you do by either doing it neutral or with an analog stick press in a direction. You want to do a Hadouken? You just press triangle. You want to do a, a Shoryuken? It's forward and triangle. Like, it's that simple. Even your specials are just triangle and square and a direction if you want to change which super you're doing. Sounds awesome. Like, this sounds so awesome. Yeah. It is obviously not going to be a one-to-one replacement for top-end tournament-level players who want access to absolutely every option possible available to them for top-end tournament play. This is never going to replace the other control scheme, because because you're uh, working off a system where every character is triangle plus triangle, or triangle plus a direction, at most you're going to have five special moves mapped to that character in this simplified mode. Yeah. And for most characters in this like little four character roster in this demo I tried, you were missing out on like maybe two or three specials that weren't available to you. So like you didn't have full access to everything this way. But I think for most people that's gonna be a totally worthwhile trade-off. Um like, you know, obviously if you're playing against some professional level player, they're gonna recognize You've got access to a few fewer moves. That's a few things I don't have to think about countering. That's going to be to their benefit. But I was playing this with just a regular gamepad uh, against someone with a fight stick using the like traditional, more complicated controls. I was holding my own just fine. Um, there's a few places in which I feel like you have an active advantage against players using the more complicated scheme. Um, in particular, you physically have fewer buttons to press in order to make 
your stronger moves happen. Oh yeah. And that does mean that you can theoretically get from I need to do this move to having it executed faster. I mean, considering that like a lot of fighting game players look at these games in terms of like individual frames when it comes to timing, like that is a big bonus for sure. There is definitely a speed difference when all you need to do to get that Hadoken out is just press triangle and nothing else. Yeah. Well, you know what I would say to any any like hardcore gamers who have a problem with that? Get bad, bro. <laughs> Get bad at the game, like the rest of us who are kicking <laughs> ass in Street Fighter Six. Yeah. And like, yeah, I I played this for an hour, and like one of, one of the things I really appreciated appreciated about it is that it reduced a lot of the. Uh, often with games like Street Fighter, when you want to start playing a new character, they have their own specific combo list you need to learn, and like uh, often your combos you've learned are not one to one transferable to other characters. Generally you can pick up a new character in this and they will control basically the same way. There will be different moves mapped to those five um, special inputs, but it's the same inputs. You're not having to learn new mechanical things to try jumping in with a new character, um, which I think is really beneficial. And yeah, it just opened me up a lot more to being able to focus on paying attention and fi like not not having to worry about how do I do this move and going when's a good time to do the move instead. I really like this. And I think I think for most people just like even if you've got friends that like play a lot of Street Fighter but they're not like you know tournament players, I think this will be fine for keeping pace with them. Like this yeah. this definitely is good enough to hold its own. You've been telling me about this game and it's the first time possibly ever that I've been excited for a fighting game that isn't Smash Brothers. Right. Or let's also add Primal Rage. Yeah. That goes, that's how far back my playing fighting games goes, is Primal fucking Rage. Yeah. But yeah, like, I I don't, especially as they got more complicated over the years. Yeah. Smash Brothers is about what I can handle. And there's a reason Smash Brothers is as huge a, a thing as it is, is because it's so accessible. And I know that accessibility is sometimes considered a, a, a you know, a controversial subject among the hardcore gamer community. But this has gotten me excited for a street fighter and i've always wanted to like the series yeah. i just can't play it street fighter fans are, are i think somewhat understandably going to be pissed um i think it's a little different when you're going from something that has a uh, a, f a fan base that is very into that sort of nitty-gritty particular you know, fighting game community shit yeah. and making it something simpler. People are understandably going to be pissed, but they're going to grow, in theory, they're going to potentially grow the, the player base of this so dramatically by opening up. Yeah. And, and hopefully those players will adjust. Otherwise, they'll just keep playing Street Fighter 4 or 5 forever. Most of them are pissed off that Cammy's wearing trousers now, anyway. Oh, for crying out I loud. I say most of them. A few of them are really doing their silly little nuts. The thing is, is they're not having their top-end complexity taken away if they want to play that way, and sure. they're being rewarded with a few extra moves that other players aren't having access to for doing that. No, they're having their bottom end simplicity taken away because Cammy's not wearing any uh, skimpy bikinis anymore. Uh, hey. 
No, that well, it's true. Nothing's being taken away because there is something out there to even the playing field. I would still expect that there's going to be, you know, the the worst people are going to be like, yeah. oh well, f- anyone could play it now. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what? Yeah, having having played a good hour or so of it, I genuinely think this is going to open up Street Fighter to a lot more people and like. The more you get into the granular nitty gritty in fighting games, the more you just shut new people out from feeling like oh, yeah. it's approachable. And I really think this is going to make this approachable to a lot more people. So yeah, Street Fighter Six, I'm really excited about it. I mean, I haven't really been interested in a Street Fighter since um, Street Fighter Two in the arcade. <laughs> you know, that was the and and that was fun. Yeah. You know, I played uh, as far along as I think Super Street Fighter 2, played that fairly regularly, but after that point, it got too complex, and I hadn't really thought about it until, like, now, that the fighting game that I have probably played the most of as a franchise at this point is Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I played a lot, I probably played more Mortal Kombat in the arcades, Then I did Street Fighter, but that was more aesthetic Mm. because that was not the better game. It was never the better game. But yeah, yeah. And it's because of the accessibility that I even played Smash Brothers at all. So yeah, I I don't know that I'll play this, but I'm more inclined to play this than I think anything else on this basis. Yeah. Uh, What about you both? What have you been playing this week? Um, I played... The Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Oh, this looks good. Yeah. Uh, so this is a an old school arcade style brawler, uh, very heavily based on the originals, the you know Turtles in Time and uh, the other one, the old four player arcade co op uh, machines, which I very much loved as a child, and they're still very fondly beloved today. And this is very much a spiritual successor. It's been published by Dot Emu, uh, so. Um, you know, it's got that pedigree there. They do a lot of stuff like this. It's good. It got my attention because April O'Neil is a playable character. Right. And for some reason, like, I got really on board with that idea. Um, and she's, like, awesome fun to play. Uh, so, yeah, it's... As a as a sort of baseline game, it's really good. You can have up to six-player co-op, so the screen is just a mess, but, like, in a good way, because you just like run around hitting things um it's a little more intricate than some especially playing single player because there's a dodge button yeah you've got a you got to roll now yeah you can roll and you can like roll away from attacks and then hit the attack button and surge back forward again so that's pretty good when you nail that um in single player it can get a bit hairy in smaller co-op games it can actually get a bit annoying um because there's a, a revive mechanic Excuse me, I did a little burpee, I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, there's a revive mechanic, and you will get hit if it's just two or three players. You will get hit trying to revive them. It's literally a waste of time in most situations. But if you do six-player co-op, it is just a glorious mess. Uh, if you do it one player, or even two players and you're good at it, um, it's a lot tougher, but still quite fun. It's so committed to being silly like i i fucking love how like it's based very much on the cartoons mm-hmm. um the cartoon versions and it, you know it's got foot clans as robots and stuff but the amount of like background jokes and and 
things the Foot Clan are doing when you walk up to them. Like the first one is in a the, the first level is set in the TV studio where the you know April and everyone works, and the Foot Clan have taken it over and they're doing things like playing on their phones or they're on the set of a cookery show and they're just like on the mixing bowl bowls. One of them is working the reception, like the secretary desk, for no good reason. Um, just lots of stuff. There's like a, a you go through a gym and they're all like playing with the weights and doing uh, sit-ups. The best joke is on the street level where on the um, there's a parking lot with a Foot Clan sort of uh, member just in a car waiting to run you over. And at the the sign at the top of the parking garage entrance says eight foot clearance and they've scribbled out foot and written foot. <laughs> I was tickled. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's it's quite robust. It's got like 15, 16 levels. Goes through a lot of nostalgia for the cartoon. Like the uh, the mutant killer pizzas are enemies in it. Um, there's a lot of like villains you'll recognize like the Rat King or, or Baxter Stockman. Um, but then they do some of the more obscure ones like the dinosaur one and stuff like that. It's good. It's good. There's a, a little level up system, very simple, uh, but you can get new moves as you go. You've got your usual punching moves and your jumping attacks, a number of uh, special moves that you um, unlock as you go, like a regular, like a standing special attack and a jumping special attack and a dodging special attack and all of that. But I've been playing like almost exclusively as April because she's fucking awesome. Like, it's just little touches. Like they, they really sort of thematically went with her sort of role as a as a news reporter. So there's a simple move that was in the original uh, arcade games as well, where you grab an enemy and just slam them left, right, left, right. But when she's finished, she slams them on the ground, then quickly pulls out a camera and just takes a photo of their body on the floor. Um, her special jumping attack is to just pull out a giant film camera and just smash it into the ground. Uh, her dodging attack, uh, you know, she'll roll back and then surge forward with a microphone on a stand with little headphones on. Uh, it's really cool. And then all the all the others are cool. You know, you've got all the turtles, you've got Splinter and an unlockable Casey Jones, who's pretty cool to play as. So yeah, uh, the there are issues. Um, I did mention the uh, the fact that revival is just a pain in the ass um online so far has been the shit yeah uh, it has yeah there's been a lot of complaints about it um i'm playing on the switch but apparently it's on everywhere uh including pc from what some of the people have, have um like because I, I asked on twitter the dog's losing a shit um as annoyed about the online as i am no doubt understandably understandably um apologies for that yeah, uh, it's got issues with lots of disconnects uh, or things like you load into a level and no player characters will be visible on the screen. That's not ideal. Not ideal. You can see the enemies getting beaten up, but you, I'm not sure if you as a player, uh, like on your end, is actually in that scrum. I can't tell, uh, but you basically just have to quit because it's, it's fucked. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that. Disconnects, difficulties, matchmaking. Uh, it's a real shame because it is a fucking good game. It's a good game. Um, I think once they hopefully fix the online up a bit, it's very something I would uh, say to check out if you liked the the old arcade beat em ups uh, or just beat em ups in general because it is 
yeah, they did just enough to add a little extra complexity, a little extra depth without undermining what essentially a beat em up is. Because one of the things I like about beat em ups is they're fairly brainless. And this one just adds a little bit more of a skill element to it, but not too much. And if you do want to just go brainless, then hopefully get that online fix going to a six player game because it's just just ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, it's funny, it's silly, it's um they got some nice voice actors for it as well. They got a Krang that sounds like like the old Krang from the cartoon and all of that. Mm. Shredder at one point lets us know he's gonna dine on turtle soup. I don't think he's ever had any. I think he's fucking pretentious. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's that. It is very good. They've just got to fix some stuff. Hmm. What about you? What about you, comrade? You've been playing anything this week? Uh, well, I've 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 been I've been playing Satisfactory. Have ya? Yeah, I thought I'd hit a wall. I really did. Um, because I had reached a point where I've I'd rebuilt most of the factory, but I had to get plastics in, and that really meant trains. And I was sort of, uh, oh gosh, it feels like a whole lot to, but I got over it. Uh, I've built a whole new oil refinery specifically to produce plastics and a, a train line to bring them in. It's all in my logistics network. I'm about to make circuit boards and then get my computers built. And then once I'm automating computers, I'm going to have to build another entire facility just to feed the space elevator. It does not fucking stop. But the game is, is fucking great. Uh, even though, again, another week in with really not much to say in terms of actual progress in the game. Um, but that doesn't matter, because I can play this every week. I did get a couple of mods in here that are real good. If uh, people are playing Satisfactory, uh, th there's, there's a couple of things that have really worked out in my favor. One is um, Really Simple Signs, which is a new batch of signs for the game, as well as a more complex um, editor for the signs so that you can really customize them up in some fun ways. But the perhaps more valuable aspect of it is it comes with a sign gun, which allows you to copy and paste signs at range. Ooh. It's very, very, very helpful because I have, I, I've reached, you know, uh, I am now having to label cabling. Because I have it coming in from so many places, and so I have to make sure that if I ever have to troubleshoot my way out of some sort of power fuck-up that I've done, I know where everything connects. So I'm constantly leaving little label signs everywhere, and to be able to just cut and paste even just the basic layout design stuff and then change one or two particulars with a gun is very, very useful. So I like that a lot. And then the other mod that I found, which is if you cared about breaking the game, this would not be for you. But it's not really that in it's not that much of a shift. It's just a little bit of logistics cleanup. There's an item in the game called the Awesome Sink. And what the Awesome Sink does is allows you to dump any unneeded or undesired stuff. And it gets rewarded with an in-game currency uh, from the corporation. It's corporate script, basically, that you can use to unlock some other things uh, for your use. Um, this mod is called Awesome Sync Storage. And it turns the two storage containers into Awesome Sinks. You just have to power them. 
as long as you put power to them, the last slot of this inv- of this storage container will automatically just burn and a, a function like an awesome sink. And mm. it's great because I don't have to have awesome sinks littering around places where I want storage to be anyway. I can just use an awesome sink storage and never worry about it again. Uh, right now I am watching plastic pour into an awesome sink completely unnecessarily i could just stick it in the storage and it would be fine but uh but yeah game's still good i'm still pretty well hooked in spite of myself i'm sure once i get to nuclear power i'm gonna be like fuck this but for now it's it's still really good and the the mods are good and they've already started testing update six so i'm i feel like i'm still gonna be into this for a while it's good though. Nice. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna rattle through a few demos that I played this week just because I played a lot of things. I didn't play a huge amount of them. Some of them I'll have more to say on than others. Um, Terra Nil. It's sort of like a um one of those engine building like you're building this that leads to this that leads to this kind of engine building games, but that your explicit aim is to terraform and rebuild. Uh, an ecosystem on a very barren, dry, empty world. The steps that you go through are pretty simple, at least in this demo. You're doing things like building wind turbines to power machines that will turn this sort of arid desert into tillable soil, so that you can power machines that will turn that into grass, producing uh, pumps that will get water to fill in areas, which will in turn... Uh, allow you to start producing grass along the, the banks of wherever you filled with water, digging out canals so that you can get water to further places, building that th- from there into like forests and starting to build areas that animals can live in. And then at the end of it, you, 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 you tidy up and collect all your little machines you did and put them in your ship and just pootle off and leave this nice bit of world you've made to just be. You, be- you make a nice little self-sustaining ecosystem of lovely little nature and then you clean up after yourself and go off and do it somewhere else well, that sounds delightful yeah it is it is all of the like interlocking systems that i enjoy about you know those kind of games that are usually a lot more industrial in their goals mm-hmm. but with just like small little sandboxes of here are some objectives, make a nice little place where nature can thrive and live. Okay, let's tidy up and go do it again. It's real cute, it's real charming, I really want to see more of it. I checked out a demo for a game that I'm interested in, but like the demo yes, is kind of so-so. Um, the game is called The Last Worker. It is about you working as essentially the last human employed to work in an Amazon warehouse. Oh. Every other worker has been replaced with um with automated drones and machines and whatnot. You are the last remaining human that hasn't complained about like having to piss in bottles and stuff and it's useful to have a human around in case shit goes wrong and then uh, probably so it seems like some union type is going to bust in and go like, hey, you need to see the harm that this company is doing and use your position of the last human inside to tear down this corporation from the inside. It seems promising. The main takeaway I had from the demo was it is very technically polished and the writing and the voice acting are amusing and well-written. 
There is very little in the way of gameplay to get a sense of in this demo. The demo has two sections, one in which you learn how to move around this warehouse and use a sort of gun to pick up boxes and put them where they're supposed to go, and then it jumps forward a bit, and you're doing a bit of a sneaky mission because you're in bits of the building you're not meant to be in, trying to do some like light stealth to avoid getting found by automated drones on your way to some surprise shocking reveal you're going to see. Uh, there is not a lot in this demo to give a sense of like what the actual moment-to-moment gameplay loop is going to be, like how much of the game is split between do your job and do it efficiently and don't get caught slacking so that you can go and do the sneaky things and get the evidence you need, presumably, without getting caught. It's unclear what that balance is going to be in the final game, but it's polished and it plays well and it's it's well-written and acted. I'm curious, but like the demo didn't... like go, yes, I definitely am going to love this. I played a demo for a game called Tinykin, which can best be described as Pikmin. If it was inside a house and you were like borrower size, you were like a tiny little person in a house rather than being outside. Things I really like about that game, it does a very good job with its art style. It has 3D environments, but your character... Other NPCs you interact with in your Pikmin are very nicely animated, like, 2D assets. And the way they've blended them into the environment works really well. A lot of the environments are, like, big, vertical, as well as horizontal, enclosed play spaces to explore. They do a lot with being creative with the kind of level design you can do when you're a tiny person in a big room of a house. It fundamentally plays like Pikmin. You're trying to find enough Pikmin of a certain colour to pick up the heavy thing you need to take somewhere, or enough Pikmin of a colour to blow up this thing that's in your way. But that is basically an excuse for you to do exploration in quite a fun design sandbox. My biggest problem is, like, one of the the central mechanics is that when you jump, you can hold down the jump button to glide, but there is a very tiny window where you're at the apex of your jump. Like, it feels like it needs to hold at the apex of the jump for just a slight bit longer than it does, so that you can effectively get gliding at the peak of your jump, which it often expects of you. Um, That that is a very overcomable design issue, but it it is one that was like a minor frustration in an otherwise very fun demo. I played a little bit of a demo for a game called Junglet. Y-N-G-L-E-T. You play as... The best I can describe it is a a pencil drawing made out of abstract shapes that kind of looks like a worm, or maybe a snake, some kind of undulating rope-like creature. And the gimmick is that there are all of these like shapes that act like water, that are safe locations for you to be in, and if you want to hop from one to another, as soon as you're outside of that shape, gravity starts impacting you. So you're trying to sort of jump between these areas of safety doing light gravity-based puzzle platforming and trying to work out like what amount of momentum and what angle you need to jump to sort of hop between these abstract shapes. It is fun, it controls well. I very much appreciate that anytime you're inside one of these shapes uh, and you are in a safe spot where you are not being impacted by gravity, if you just hang around for two or three seconds, it will create a checkpoint in them. It is very, very forgiving about letting you create as many checkpoints as you like wherever you want without like punishing you for doing that, which 
I think helped to keep a very nice chill exploration vibe and help it not be frustrating, which pairs nicely with like the the gentle music that it's it's paired with. Uh, that that's a bunch of demos. I've got a few more, but uh, Steph, you played anything else? So I played a game called Nomad Survival, uh, which is. And we're probably going to see a lot of these now. Um, it's a vampire survivors type game. Oh, you played one of those this week too? Yes. <laughs> uh, structurally uh, pretty much identical uh, in terms of premise. You auto attack, you move around, waves of enemies close in on you. It's not quite grabbed me as much as vampire survivors mm-hmm. uh, for two reasons. One is the game-breaking pure power fantasy dopamine rush effect is not its focus really right Hmm. it is meant to be more of a challenge than that and mm, it's just i haven't reached a even with a, a really strong build i've not felt that sense of of um pure chaotic powerful satisfaction uh the other reason is level two which is dog shit um but I played several hours of level one and it is, it did have my attention last night until three in the morning. So it was definitely doing something right. It's, it's got a lot more um, options compared to vampire survivors. I believe if I counted correctly, rather than having six weapons equipable at any time in vampire survivors, you can have 17 Uh at any one time. And I think maybe 18 passive items. I don't recommend getting more than three because any more than that and you're probably not maxing out the levels on any of them within the 30 minute time limit. At least I didn't. Um, I've managed to fully level a couple of things and I've learned that if you spread yourself too thin with weaponry, you just won't have the DPS. Um, So I tend to go for a couple things. And there are certain things about the design that feels like it's railroading you into certain builds um so i've not felt too compelled to experiment but you get a lot of different character classes that unlike vampire survivors uh behave quite markedly differently because rather than having a weapon that's accessible to anyone as a starting weapon each one has its own unique special ability so you've got the um just like the regular starting class, which does a sort of forward melee attack. Uh, You have the cultist, which on a timer randomly selects one um, enemy to instantly kill in an explosion that does area damage to others. Uh, I, the last character I unlocked was the necromancer, which um, intermittently summons skeletons uh, that fight for you. So, and there's, they really do play with the formula. So you've got some really interesting character classes there. Um, so far, the most broken one is one that um, every now and then will pause, become invincible to cast a spell that does damage to everything on the screen. And is then invincible just for a little moment to walk away. And if you put one of the modifiers on that, there is a poison modifier because you can unlock uh, little subclasses um, such as the, the pox variant which applies to any class you choose and that instead of doing one single lot of damage it doubles the damage and ticks it over time uh you do that like you've just got this screen clearing poison effect that will just kill like every minor minion and it stacks so if you get the passive upgrades that reduce the cooldown 
you can just stack poison upon poison upon poison on things, and that's that's when it gets to game breaking levels. But it's still not as visually or orally stimulating like that. I said orally stimulating <laughs> as Vampire Survivors. Level two is dog shit. <laughs> you know how level two of uh, Vampire Survivors is like one long corridor, right? Um, in the library, yeah. It's that. Uh, it's one long corridor, uh, or, or sort of more of a crossroads. Uh, so it's like just four long corridors. But the enemies swarm in such numbers and take so much... They, they've got such high HP that so far I've just... It's not fun. Mm. I I have not felt like I've got enough time to get a build together. And I'm sure, you know, I, I know people will have done. But it's been frustrating to the point where I just stopped playing. I just reached level two and just kept getting insta-killed because they just swarmed. I couldn't deal enough damage to stop them surrounding me, and then I just died. Uh, and, I, and I was like, I'm not feeling this at all. So, yeah, yeah, that's really turned me off, which is a shame because it looks nice. It's got some really cool character designs. The weapon variety is pretty impressive, and this is like Vampire Survivors. Like, it's two ninety nine. And I arguably got more content in it than Vampire Survivors in terms of characters, classes, uh, weaponry and stuff. But it's just not as good. And level two just absolutely turned me off when I was getting really into it. Uh, I may keep giving it a go because there's definitely some way to crack it. But like I said earlier about feeling railroaded, I feel so fucking bottlenecked with that level in particular of just trying to get as many area of effect attacks as possible going. Uh, or rather, like, getting a couple and then just desperately trying to strengthen them. Uh, which, to its credit, you get some control there. You get a very generous amount of rerolls and get, like, one, at least one a level. Um, so you can keep rerolling. You stock them up really quick. So you can really like focus. Uh, you got a good chance of focusing on whatever build you want. But yeah, I I, I just hit that brick wall and it really turned me off. Uh, but it's got a lot going for it. I really hope I can keep going into it because it it took hours of my time effortlessly for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I played one of these games too. Right. What did What did you play? Uh, Twenty minutes till dawn. I played a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, I stopped playing cuz it pissed me off. <laughs> I played I've played a, a little bit of it. Um it is another one of of these horde games. Um this one you have a gun and you trigger that gun, so it's a little more engaged than your vampire survivors. Doesn't feel like there's as much content even though there's a fair amount of leveling and, you know, a bunch of characters to select and, and you get a bunch of different guns to choose from that, that you can unlock, which I haven't delved too far into. The starting character gets a reroll on every level, which is is nice. Um, like, the character abilities seem really potent. Um, the other one that I played is the sort that launches a flaming skull at enemies when an enemy dies, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, deal some more damage. I like that in any game, and so that's fun. Uh, I haven't played most of the characters, but based on description, they seem to have some good variety. The weapons, on the whole, seem pretty interesting. But having to engage with it is both a sort of curse and a uh, boon. 
Like, it feels really satisfying to claw your way out, uh, find a gap and shoot your way out of a, you know, a, a horde real quick and get around it. And the gun works well for that. And and I've seen in 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 gameplay video that later gun, you know, effects can be really powerful if you've leveled the earlier ones and get down the tree to them. But I don't like using the gun i'm i've had so much fun with the very passive nature of vampire survivors that uh yeah that i did not care for that either having to manually aim and shoot after vampire survivor it's difficult to just get into that right well it's it, there's too many enemies for that to feel viable mhm you know whereas you know vampire survivors just says you're right it's not we won't do that yeah also, I don't like picking up XP in that game as compared to other games. No? I feel like, I don't know what it is about the way that game is set up, but I feel like XP should just be given to you per kill. Partly, I think it's just the, the uh, pickup radius is practically non-existent without upgrades. Mm -hmm. And I just find it really frustrating the way the enemies follow you. Uh, it's so difficult to go get the XP compared to Nomad Survival or Vampire Survivors. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is a bit difficult to get it. And I feel like I'm leaving it behind a lot more as a result. Um, you know, because I'm wandering off to try and get around a horde, but I can't get back to, and then I've left God knows how much in my wake. I will probably give it a few more tries just because I want to check out some of these other characters, but I'm not feeling it the way I felt Vampire Survivors. And, and actually, I... I know that there have been updates to Vampire Survivors, and I haven't gone back to that. I haven't felt the urge. I opened up and looked at uh, the patch notes for the most recent patch. I was like, there's another character, there's mm -hmm. another weapon, but I just have not felt compelled. I still go back. It might be a function of having it on Steam Deck, which makes it just so easy to pick up and play wherever. Yeah. Well, wherever. Near a power outlet. <laughs> but yeah, I still dip in. I was playing it more this week and, and having a laugh. It's uh, it's just something when I've got like nothing else going on and I just like need half hour taken up, like pop it on. It's easy enough. I've got an awkward amount of time free that needs filling. Yeah, and this will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, couple of other demos I played that I'll sort of uh, rattle through some a bit quicker than others. Um, Over Rogue, interesting concept, not a good demo. Um, it is a roguelike deck builder. Somewhat in the vein of like inscription or something like that, you ha you draw to a full hand of five cards every turn. Different cards cost different amount of like points to play, and you've got a certain number of points per turn, so you can play a higher number of lower value cards or a smaller number of higher value cards. As you go through the run, you upgrade your deck, add new cards, level up cards, that sort of thing. Uh, the art style's really nice. Uh, it sort of follows in the vein of like um. Octopath Traveler, games like that with very high detail, uh, high resolution pixel art characters on a non-pixel art backdrop uh, works quite well. The main reason I don't think this demo works well is the creators really fucking want to drop infinite amounts of their very particular world building lore on you right away. And it's slightly paralyzing the amount of like universe-specific terms that are thrown at you one after the other, after the other, after the other, before you're allowed to start playing around with the game. Which is a shame, because once you actually get into it, the gameplay is pretty fun. I played a demo for a game called Exhausted Man. This is one of your sort of, um, 
Octodad style games where you see, like I've known nothing about this game, but the moment you said the title, I was like, I bet that's wobbly physics. So you play as a very exhausted man who is just lying on the floor. You want to get somewhere, you just sort of wriggle a bit like a worm, your ass going up and down as you do. You sort of just, just you don't you don't stand up, you just kind of worm your way across the floor to things. You have a button to control your left arm or right arm to slowly grab things or put them in places. But generally, you are just a very depressed person wriggling like a worm to try and complete basic tasks around a house while being too tired to get up off the floor. Of these kind of physics-based, it's difficult to control games, this one definitely feels very upfront and in your face about the fact that yeah, yeah, no, we're doing this for a narrative reason, the narrative reason being Depression Simulator. It is fun to control. The demo isn't always clear with its mechanics. Um, there is an early level where, like, it's not really just uh, explained or justified why you're having to do it, but, like, in between each task that you're completing, you're having to place objects of furniture in a room, and it's unclear why you would pick one over another, or if any of them have any benefit, and you have to place a certain number of bits of furniture in the room before you can get back to picking an activity to try and depression worm your way to doing. And like when you're doing the tasks, it is it is fun, it is it controls well, it is enjoyable. There's just a few there's a few elements of the design where I'm like, I'm not entirely sure why I'm being asked to do certain things or what consequence I'm having. And hopefully that will be more clear in a non-demo environment. Uh, and the last one I'll quickly rattle through is uh, Ending. Extinction is Forever. This is a game about being a mother fox with four newly born cubs and trying to keep them alive and safe. It has a gorgeous art style to it. It is very effective at communicating a narrative without words. I instantly cared more about this mother and her children than I do about 90% of gruff dad protagonists in modern video games. The general gameplay structure from early on seems to be uh, the first few days, you go out alone, you have to get back before night time to keep your cubs safe, go find some food, hunt some food down, get back with it before nightfall. Eventually the cubs grow up enough to go on adventures with you. You are exploring a big overworld. You've got an aim to be working towards. I don't want to say too much about it because that's a sort of early narrative uh, plot point. But like, there is a map, which I really fucking appreciate. And you have a lot of tools to help you navigate to specific kinds of things that you might be looking for. Like, are you trying to keep your food meter up because it's fallen below a certain point? You can hold down a button to sniff out food and follow certain coloured trails and it will lead you to food. When nightfall is starting to arrive, the game will start signposting this is the fastest route back to your little cave you're going to sleep in. It does a lot of things to go, if you know what you're trying to achieve and you're not trying to explore and find somewhere new you've not been, we will point you to the basics that you need to keep the gameplay loop going so that you can focus on, okay, where do I want to try and explore somewhere new next and be confident that like okay i've picked a new path to go down i don't know what's out here if i do need food it's fine i'll hold down the sniff for food button and i will find something it's not been overly punishing there has been a gentle undercurrent of of tension humanity fucking sucks seems to be the the general tone of that game which is to be expected mm -hmm. 
it feels very promising. The demo is pretty lengthy, and I must say, for all of the Xbox demos in the current um, summer of Summer Games Fest collection, all of the demos have been pretty substantial. This one seems really promising, and it's one of the ones I, I, I stopped playing the demo before I finished it because I went, I know enough to know I want to play this when it comes out, and I don't want to go further because I don't want to have more to replay. I just want to play it when it's ready. What about you, Steph? You played anything else this week? Yes. Uh, I played a game called Ultra Kill. Ooh. It's a first-person shooter. This is re- retro visuals one. Yeah. Published by New Blood. Yeah, very retro. You can choose between PC or um, like PSX-style visuals. It's a subtle difference. One's more pixely and blockier, and the other's like just smoother polygons. That's the recommended one. Really straightforward. You go into rooms with enemies, you shoot them to death, you bathe in their blood to heal, uh, and that's about it. Uh, you unlock weapons as you go. Um, there are some nice environmental puzzles, uh, mostly involving sort of dashing across gaps, and you've got this really cool slide mechanic. If you hold down the slide button, you just whiz forward and just keep going until you take your finger off. Um, that's really neat. Pretty challenging. Uh, the bosses uh, uh, involve a lot of using the slide and the dash to uh, avoid attacks. Not a lot more to it. It's just really straightforward. Um, just one of those very retro-centric first-person shooters uh, with a really nice soundtrack, uh, cool enemy design. If that's your back, this is a good one. Hmm. Uh, I know there's a lot of retro FPSs floating about, but this is... In terms of just immediacy, the real speed of action, just how quick it throws you in... I like it. I've I've reached a tough boss that I've stopped for my patience's sake, (laughs) but I've really been enjoying it. Uh, I do like Ultra Kill a lot. Um, I'll just quickly also say I played the Agent 64 demo um, while we're on retro FPSs uh, after you talked about it. It's good. I'm looking forward to the full game there. Um, Very straightforward. It just feels like more N64 era Goldeneye, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like, like very much wearing it on its sleeve. I'm liking these games lately that are just like, fuck it, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Because I played a bit of that Nightmare of Decay, which is just like, yeah, we're Resident Evil, we don't care. And then you've got Vampire Survivors, which is like, all of this is from Castlevania, we don't care. There's an honesty to that that I quite admire. So yeah, yeah, I... Yeah, I like Agent 64 quite a bit. Um, we also both played Cult of the Lamb, the demo for that. Yes. Yeah. I I had no idea what the actual gameplay loop of this game was from the trailers, and this playing this demo has made me a lot more interested. Yeah. The loop is good. I have one problem with it. Yeah. Um, there's only one issue I have. Um, so just quickly, it's a rogue-like hack and slash uh, action game on one side and then a sort of base buildy sim on the other side um you go through levels to uh rescue followers to recruit to your court to your cult basically uh collect materials and resources then you when you're done with a level you go back to this base where you can command your cultists to go and collect resources like you know just chop down wood get stones and you can build things you start by building a little campfire to cook food for them and you manage sort of some hunger stuff that way um so yeah that's sort of it in a nutshell is this cult building sim and this roguelike both sides are pretty good i really like the loop the only thing that put me off is with the combat system okay i've got to get used to it because like i'm used to when an enemy telegraphs an attack you dodge whereas here the enemy telegraphs the attack 
and you wait for the attack to start before you dodge. And I keep getting hit because I'm used to dodging when I see a move telegraphed. But the tracking on the enemies is like pitch perfect. So if you dodge while they're about to attack, they will just home in on you and hit you. And I took so much damage that way. I didn't find that too much of a problem so long as I focused on making my dodges sort of toward rather than uh, parallel or away. Like, if I dodged sort of into the oncoming attack, it didn't seem to be such a problem for tracking. Okay. Alright, I'll have to try that. But, yeah, I, I I thought, like, generally the 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 combat system played really well. Like, I like the, 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 the very high movement speed your lamb has got when just moving around the levels. Uh, I thought that the dodge was satisfying. It had a good, a good amount of invincibility on it. The basic melee attacks have a good amount of weight to them like it it feels satisfyingly like you are making contact uh i like that you start the runs with uh automatically one melee weapon and one magic thing so that you have at least two options randomly assigned to you at the start of the run yeah i i'm more excited about the roguelike elements of this than i thought i would be i didn't realize there was going to be this much focus on go out and do combat dungeon runs yeah and it feels pretty satisfying yeah yeah. I am looking forward to seeing the full game. I'll probably give the demo another sort of go or two. I really like the visuals. The art style is very cute, yeah. very cool, really well animated. So I've really got that sort of cartoon visual, um, big thick lines, very uh, pronounced animations. The monster designs could like the the four priests at the beginning, like the the four main villains, look so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, just really nice designs. Yeah, it it seems it seems pretty promising. Last th- last thing I played, and like this will be very quick. I played some of the Switch version of Fall Guys because that's out on Switch now, um, and also is free to play. Very quick thoughts. The Switch version works really well. There is one major caveat that will be a bit distracting to you when you first start playing if you've played a lot of it on other platforms. The concession they make to make sure that your experience is like smooth uninterrupted frame rate nothing is impacting your play experience is during the first round or two while there's still a lot of other players they will move in 3d space correctly and be where they're supposed to be but they will animate on a lower frame rate than you they are a little slideshowy in their movements until you get a couple of rounds in and the player count drops a bit it is not in any way an impact to playing it's an amusing distraction that takes a second to get past. The other thing I will note is because this is free to play now, you can still earn all of the things through play. You There's still a single battle pass that everyone has access to that you're not being charged for that you can unlock um, unlocks with. But you can now essentially purchase, purchase currency with which to purchase cosmetics. <laughs> Which was previously a thing that, like, nope, there is no way to exchange money for cosmetic. Now there is a, do you want to buy, do you want to buy the things in the store button? No, fuck off with that shit. See, yeah, that that in that in mind, uh, the new season has a bunch of new cool content. Like, it, it's very clear that they've because they knew they were about to launch on a, a few new platforms, they've put a lot of new levels in, and there's a lot of really fun new concepts in there. It continues to be a fun game, just. Yeah. Now, now, while you can unlock stuff through playing, there is also the hey, do you want to buy some coins over here? Shame. I am still. I, I. I've never customized my fall guy. Yeah. He's he's still wearing the little heart shorts that he came with. 
Yeah. And if you're someone who bought it previously, you do get a bunch of free cosmetics. Um, they seem to give you like basically most of the popular cosmetics from launch through now. As a, hey, thank you for paying money for it before it's free to play, just have a bunch of cosmetics. That seems nice of them. I mean, I certainly feel like I got my money's worth out of it. I'm not, you know. Exactly. Uh, have either of you played anything else before we quickly do the news? No. Uh, no. Well, I played Cow the Kangaroo. I'm just going to say that the protagonist voice, like it sounds like he's going to fucking cry at any moment. <laughs> There's a certain protagonist voice that I just hate. I'm going to say my sister. I fucking hate that that style of, of voiced protagonist. Anyway, that's enough of that. Just get on to hearing about what a cunt Bobby Kike is. Funny you should say that. Activision has announced that Activision is innocent of all crimes and that everyone's just being really mean to them. Why would they make up such lies that Activision has done crimes? Activision says they're innocent. Oh, that clears that up then. Yeah. Okay, cool. Move on. Yeah, move on. NBD. Yeah. If I, well, I mean, if Activision says they didn't do any of the crimes and they found evidence, no, you can't see it, that they're innocent and that everyone's just being mean for clicks, why wouldn't we believe them on that? Yeah. Like, I, I believe an, a, a report published by Activision Blizzard that clears Activision Blizzard of any wrongdoing. I just believe that. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. I think the most viral tweet I ever had was last week, where I tweeted, no evidence of viral outbreak at Umbrella, says Umbrella. <laughs> and it got, that fucking exploded. Uh, but it's true! Umbrella published a report. They found nothing wrong, nothing untoward. Raccoon City doesn't even exist. There's just a crater where people say it is. <laughs> so, you know, and that was caused by some rowdy teens. So, yeah, nothing, literally nothing to see here. Bobby Kotick has a face you can trust. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you trust that serial killer face? <laughs> Uh, well, actually, you know, in fairness, serial killer faces do, I think, manage to engender trust or they wouldn't be so successful as serial killers. So That's true. Movie serial yeah. killer face. Right. I don't trust that fucking man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is like we see this from corporations. In fact, this isn't the first time Activision itself pulled this. When the allegations first came out and staff were voicing concerns, Activision back then, like we're talking last year, said... Oh, we looked into it. There's no evidence. So they've already played this card. And now they've added in a bit. Well, we're being maligned by the press um, in their statements on top of that. They're just trying to get clicks from the media. That's yeah. all. It's not about justice. It's about media clicks. And, you know, I don't know why they're doing it. Well, it's always for shareholders and things. It's never for us. Yeah. Because um, no one buys it. No one. Not even the shareholders. They no one is so stupid no one is so gullible as to believe activision on this yeah no one well there's been a couple of comments i saw on some of the the game blogs where people are like oh you see they're making mountains out of molehills but most of those people <laughs> don't care about other human beings anyway but for the most part like we're not buying it yeah it's it's salt in the wound at this point from a deeply corrupt organization uh, on that note, funny you should mention the shareholders. We have a couple of quick bits of shareholder information for Activision Blizzard King. Uh, Activision Blizzard's shareholders have voted to publish an annual abuse, harassment and discrimination report. That sounds like good news some some much needed transparency from that fucking company. The caveat here, Activision has said it will consider it. 
They're like, the shareholders uh, vote. It's not binding. We don't have to. We'll think about it. We'll think about if we want to be transparent about the abuse, harassment and discrimination going on here that could get us in trouble. We'll consider being transparent. Oh boy, a non-binding vote by shareholders. Yep. Oh, that's like, you know, uh, hang on, you can't see this, but I am stroking one finger uh, across another perpendicular-like. Yeah. Uh, is this to indicate shame? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's, this is pathetic. Yeah. Uh, it's, dis- oh. it, it's it's an open display of contempt at this point. Like, I, I, I'm not putting, like, that past Activision. No. They are openly, flagrantly displaying contempt at this point. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is just them, like, genuinely believing they can save face, and how much is them just twisting a knife for the glee of it, but... It is such a rotten organization that has, on the past, genuinely reveled in hurting people. Like, that's been its culture. And leadership condoned it. And this is just cruel. Yeah. Every statement they bring out now is just cruel. Yeah. And perhaps that's the point, as they say. Oh, also Activision uh, Activision Blizzard has... uh... Bobby Kotick's been voted back onto the board for another year yep. by shareholders. I'm not surprised. Um, I was actually just talking about this on the socials. Like, you know, th- that board, that deeply corrupt board, uh, like circled the wagons around that man That as soon as the allegations came out. Again, last year, they they said they have no plans to get rid of him. They They're going to protect him because that is... They're all just scratching each other's backs. It is just a deeply rotten organisation. They don't want to do anything that could put into doubt the merger that might make a lot of people a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, like, they didn't do anything when Bobby Kotick threatened to have an assistant killed. Yeah. And that's that's not even something the company can write off as, like, quote-unquote just uh, a, an allegation. Like, that's admitted to. Yeah. And they tried to brush it off with, oh, well, you know, he was he's sorry. He's sorry he did that. Nothing was done. He's literally threatened to murder an employee. And nothing was done. He has had restraining orders brought out against him for harassment. And nothing was done. He is alleged to have sexually harassed a flight attendant. And nothing was done. The wagons are deeply, like, like just tightly circled around that man. Yeah. And as I've said for years now, Activision Blizzard is rotten. Rotten. And, and Bobby Kotick is an extension of that rot. He is the face of that rot proudly yeah they will never do anything to oust that man i don't know whether it's like just like crooks looking out for each other if he's got something on people or if he's just making them too much money for them to give a fuck about anything or anyone else but whatever it is there is no fixing that company it is an evil company run by evil men yeah uh very quickly we have two other bits of news and Andrew Wilson, Android Wilson over at EA, woe is him, woe is him. He's having his annual salary cut by $20 million this year. Oh, shit, where's my violin? He's he's going to be going from, from about $40 million last year to only $20 million in salary this year. Sorry, 19.9. Oh. Now, th- this story exists because, like, back in last... Look, back in last <laughs> summer, the shareholders at EA, the stockholders, were like... He's being paid way too much money, way too often. We need to do something major about this. 
and their big major substantial change was you can have 20 million a year, sir. Well, they cut it in half. They cut it in half. They cut his wage in half. Like, that is, it is by no, no argument a significant pay cut, but the man was making 40 million fucking dollars, so it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, a 20 million dollar fucking pay cut isn't going to touch the sides for him. No, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Just play money to these fucking people. Exactly. Uh, you know what's not playing around, though? Our last story of the day. Oh, I'm so pissed about this one. Sonic the Hedgehog won't be kissing any more human women anytime soon. Oh, mate. <laughs> I've got a couple of fem lips going begging. I am so pissed off. I'm so fucking disappointed by this news. Actually, did they specify women? They did specify women. Oh, this bitch is in with a chance. Be, you might be all right. I'm in with I'm, a chance. I'm, I'm, I'm shit out of oh, luck. Oh, mate. Oh, non-binary fighter getting some. For, for anyone lacking context here, there was a Sonic game in 2006. <laughs> Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic 06. In it, Sonic and a human woman kiss. They went like that. Yeah, it is... It is a weird thing to watch <laughs> to to see the animators did. Their faces don't really work together <laughs> in a way that's compatible for kissing. But it forever opened the doors to, hey, have you ever fantasized about getting kissed by Sonic the Hedgehog? Mm -hmm. It could happen. Yeah, uh -huh. It's canon. Sonic kisses humans uh -huh. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And this this news that Sonic ain't gonna kiss any more human women, I'm now worried that my dream of being made a self-insert human character in a Sonic game for Sonic to make out with will never happen. Yeah, and I'm worried that I'll never get to self-insert into Sonic. My dick. That's talking about my, my dick. Yeah. Pe pe in his in his ass. In his in his a-hole. Well you're gonna be fine again. They never said they said Sonic won't kiss a human woman. They didn't That's say true. Sonic won't fuck a non-binary person. They did not say that an NB won't fuck Sonic up the ass. Yeah. No, I exactly. want them on record. I might have to tweet at Tiger and be like, can you confirm whether or not <laughs> Sonic will get fucked up the ass by an NB? If that old Sonic Twitter account, as it used to be, still existed, I think you could have had some fun there. That account was good. I, I would have been all over that. Yeah, very sorry to tell the world. Um, Sonic, Sonic ain't gonna ain't gonna kiss any of you ladies anymore. Damn. I'm sorry to break the news to you. I'm gonna watch it. Oh well. Uh, oh well. But yeah, that's 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 all the news. We we done it. We done did a show. Yay! Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about blue people that have kissed women, Laura. Oh shit! Yeah, hi. Do you get it? Because you got blue hair and mm. yeah, you've, you've kissed yeah, girls. I, I kiss, I kiss girls. You kiss girls, yeah. I, right? Right? I, yeah. Uh, uh, you do content as well as this, and uh, could you tell us about it, please? I mean, I, I could tell you about all the places you can find me at Laura K Buzz, like basically all the social medias. But the main things I got going on this upcoming week. Wednesday the 29th of June is going to be a real big day. Spread Your Wings by Convoke is coming out. Go give it a listen. Um, you might already be able to find it some places. I said nothing. Uh, go check that out next week when it comes out. There's going, to be a, there's going to be a video and stuff. But also, Wednesday the 29th, starting at noon at uh, Parliament Square in London, we're going to be protesting, telling the fucking Tory government it's not safe to be us and things need to change. And you can come support trans people and a bunch of other minority groups coming and making themselves heard at the government. So 
Parliament Square, starting at noon. Come and raise some noise with us. Uh, Conrad, what do you? What, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find my cat, Potato Wand, who just had his first vet visit since coming home, oh. and he's a very brave, good boy. Uh, he's One-Eyed Potato on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, you can hang out with me on Twitch a few days a week, twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. And audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, James Stephanie Sterling, patreon.com slash jimquisition. Uh, that supports this and the jimquisition and stuff like that. Um, I also stream on Twitch, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, I've been a little uh, lax on it lately, um, a mix of chronic pain and just being super fucking busy. Um, but hoping to get back into the swing of it soon um wrestling dates i did mention uh sovereign pro but just to give you the rundown on july 9th uh it is the next installment of north wrestling in newcastle uh august 20th uh, i will be part of avant-garde wrestling uh, their debut show uh that's august 20th also in newcastle uh sovereign pro wrestling uh where i'll be meeting kid bandit and simon miller in the ring for the first time on october 1st it's looking like I'll have some dates in between all that, uh, and I will keep you posted as and when they occur. Uh, I believe that is everything. Thank you so much. I'm going back to po- posing my kickback so that he puts his leg up on the ingot and looks really cool. <laughs> and I will see you all next week. In fact, we all will. I don't know why I just spoke for myself there. Like, well, I mean, I, you're your own people. You can confirm whether or not you speak. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.